Greetings, my friend. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened. This is bullshit. This is the Illuminati Social Club, episode number 25, Holy Love Ministries. Welcome to the Illuminati Social Club. Yes, this is a standard uh, episode. This is not an In Search of episode, which, okay, I suppose maybe the In Search of episodes are now becoming the standard episodes. Uh... This time around, uh, I have a very special guest. Okay, she's also a, a co-host on uh, the show hole. It's it's Stephanie. She was also on uh, our episode on food fotrition, which is still one of my favorites. Um, but this time around, we are talking about a... I, I'll hesitate to call it a cult, but... It's not. It's not. It is. Uh, it, it's a church in our area, uh, closer closer to you though, um, called Holy Love Ministries, and you're going to tell us a lot about it. And it uh, talking before the show, we decided it's going to be more like neutral based. You know, a little a little of this, a little of that, because I don't think there's any good guys in this story. Uh, I, I read some of the information I have read some articles and pretty much nobody in this story comes off as a good guy. Well, objectively that's life, right? Right. Um, I became interested in this church because I grew up right around it and it caused a lot of controversy and really lots of annoyance multiple times a year for many years. Hmm growing up and they were always in the news and it it always seemed to be sort of embroiled in scandal but um i really wanted to go into this thinking it was a cult and that there were going to be all these great side stories and conspiracies going on and after i did the research and looked at it objectively i'm afraid i can't do that i had to amend uh what i was looking at to see that this is just a a really large enterprise built by some flawed people. And uh, I think people's intent, some people have good intent and some people don't, but no one is exactly great and no one's exactly terrible in this story of Holy Love Ministries. (laughs) A little disappointed. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's basically this is going to be a story that involves um, the, the Holy Love Ministry and the Catholic Church, primarily the Diocese of Cleveland, which um, <laughs> I have no love for. I really don't. Uh, they are they've got enough they, they've got enough skeletons in their closet to you know. And I am not saying this being a conspiracy theorist. You could just look at the news. Uh, the Diocese of Cleveland is not a they're they're not squeaky clean. I think before we talk about any of this, we need to present our own personal bias, yes, um, and our own personal backgrounds because that will certainly color how we see the people in this story and how forgiving we want to be towards. Um, right. 
religion in general right. and people who want to uh, branch out from their own. So I'm a churchgoer. I am mm -hmm. extremely liberal, um, extremely liberal, <laughs> <laughs> but I do attend church regularly and I do get a lot out of it. And I do think that churches have a valuable place where they can help people and give back to community and um, very Protestant. So in doing the research on this, uh, it was hard for me not to snort every time I came across some, uh, like, Catholic bickering, because <laughs> as a Protestant, you know, whenever I want to go to a wedding or a baby dedication or something at a Catholic church, they always kind of hiss at me like I'm the devil, <laughs> because to me, Catholics are very exclusionary. It doesn't matter if you are legitimate, if you're still technically a Christian, they don't care. Right. You are not Catholic, and you are sinner. So <laughs> so it, it was hard for me to be objective reading about this bickering between this church and the Catholic diocese. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, of course, they hate everybody. That might not be fair. That might just be my experience. Right. I am a... Um, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I went to Catholic school for 13 years. And today I am just kind of... I do not identify with any religion. And... But I enjoy the history of religion and like sort of, sort of a secular look at religion and you know I, I enjoy the history of of the way religions have come to be and you, you some of their you know some of the dark side of their history because it's what I what I I'm fascinated by. Okay, so, so we're not completely neutral, objective third parties here. No, no, we're not. So, yeah, let's put that out there. So, <laughs> Holy Love Ministries is located where? North Ridgeville? Well, no. Okay. And this might come into... This, this actually is important later. So, Holy Love Ministries was technically started, if I look at my timeline here, uh, way back in 1994. Mm -hmm. And it was this woman named Maureen Sweeney Kyle. Now, we have to be careful to call her by all three names because we have a reporter in Cleveland called Maureen Kyle and we have a judge named Maureen Sweeney mm. and they're very different people. All three of them are very different. <laughs> yes, Maureen Sweeney Kyle was a woman heavily involved in her own like local Catholic church and she began to experience... Uh, which she thought were visions or the word of God, most frequently Mary. And uh, so she lived in Seven Hills, which is near you. Yes. It's close to Parma at the time. And she would take these words to her own church group. And some people believed her. Some people didn't. Um, but she attempted to appeal to her Catholic church group, her Catholic leaders. And they were like, no, you know, God only appears to certain people and it happens this way. And, you know, conveniently, if it's not sanctioned by the church, like they don't really care. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of blew her off. And she was like, I can't, you know, do this. Like I feel compelled to spread this word. So she started in March of 1994 in Seven Hills, the Holy Love Ministries. Now, at the time, it went by other names. So they met at a place called Mary's House of Prayer out there. But they also went by the Missionary Servants of Holy Love. They called themselves Our Lady Protectress of Faith, Project Mercy. And then later, more recently, they're also known as the Maranatha Spring and Shrine. Uh, they have something called the Rosary Project, which is a very strong anti-abortion, I don't know, 
I wouldn't say lobbyists because they're not lobbyists, but they're a, a group, like mm. a it's an umbrella of what they do, and even the Catholic branch of the like anti-abortion people don't recognize it. They're oh, like, wow. no, we all want the same things, but screw you, lady, we don't like you. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's part of the drama. So. Maureen had this history of, of seeing things. And in 1994, in Seven Hills, she had a shrine with water. And mm-hmm. people would come, and they would expect to see visions. And see, she would say, oh, Jesus might come today, and people would show up. Well, what happened was she got cited by the city. Uh, the building they were in had an occupancy maximum, 25. Mm-hmm. And... A lot more than 25 people showed up, and she got cited by the city. Now, Maureen and the people who run the church now claim that it was the bishop of the Diocese of Cleveland who alerted the media that they were like, scandal, and they they called the (laughs) cops on her. Clearly, that's not what happened. (laughs) I mean, you violated the fire code, lady. I've seen the gatherings. Mm -hmm. The bishop did not call the cops on you. No. yeah. No, the neighbor, <laughs> more likely the neighbors did. Yeah, no, when when they have gatherings, they are, we'll talk about that later, they are legit. Right. So she began to pray an appeal to her, her new fledgling church. We need to move someplace where there's a lot of land, and we also want options on the land around us hmm. so that we can expand. So very early on, she wanted to start a church and she had visions of it becoming like whatever the vaguely Catholic version of a mega church is. Okay. That's a, a Protestant thing where you franchise out your church and it right. gets enormous. So it seems like she had this in mind. So they got three private donations and came up with enough money to purchase a $350,000 parcel of land. It was 83 acres and it's in Eaton Township, Ohio. Okay. Now, this is important because Eaton Township is unincorporated. Aha. Uh-huh. Firefighters are volunteers. The jurisdiction law enforcement is county sheriff, and they're right off the highway, so possibly highway patrol. But um, So you don't have the same ordinances as you would if you lived in a city, but you also don't have the same support. Mm-hmm. So, because the shrine was featured heavily in the first Maranatha Springs, she, Maureen, claims that she had this vision telling her to go to the way back of this lot she'd purchased, and she'd find another spring, and it would be another holy spring. Hmm. She drank the spring water. They dug a well. Okay. If you are local to that part of town, as I was... You will know that the back of that parcel of land runs behind a chemical treatment plant. <laughs> now, that chemical plant is, it's been nationally recognized as being very green and very good for the environment, but it's still a chemical processing mm-hmm. plant. On the other side, the high side, so the, the land drains towards where her shrine was built, are fields. Okay. The newspaper called it cornfields, it's soybean fields. Hmm. Get it right, newspapers. <laughs> but fields are treated with all kinds of fertilizers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those fertilizers are manure. Uh, also in that part of town at that time, a lot of people 
had septic tanks because there's no sewer system. Right. And septic tanks do leach into the soil and they do drain, and um, it's important. So in 1996, the health department said, stop drinking the water. (laughs) But enough damage had been done that people were drinking this contaminated water and they were seeing visions. So... I have no idea why they would be seeing visions. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, who's to say? Maybe someone legitimately saw a vision that brought them comfort. Good for them. But how many people were suffering from some kind of bacterial or viral water poisoning, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So a health department said, knock it off. Maureen also brought to her new shrine something that she called the... Oh, I have the worst handwriting. <laughs> it was a piece of carpet from her, her home. This piece of carpet was somewhere she would kneel. Uh, they called it the blessing point. So she would kneel on it in her old shrine, and she said that anything you put on it would be blessed. And she claimed it was where heaven met earth. So they cut it out, and she brought it with her to Lorraine County. She also had a, a piece of hair on her blouse, that she claims God told her was one of the Virgin Mary's hair, and both of these things are featured in the new shrine. So this pissed off the Catholics because they take veneration of objects very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, your holy reliquaries are, um, I don't know, sort of, I, I guess there's a process to yes, yes, validate them and validate them. So the fact that she's like, here's some fancy carpet, and here's a piece of hair, they did not no. like this. No. They thought it was uh, blasphemous. Right. Uh, that That's why, like, the Catholic Church does not endorse uh, Jesus on toast or, you know, that, that water stain under a bridge that people claim looks like Jesus. Uh, well, yeah, the whole—the graven images thing is weird, right. right? Like, it's okay to have a statue, but if you see Jesus on toast, somehow that's a horror— <laughs> It's it, it it's it's a it's a weird thing, you know. It's like idolatry is frowned upon unless it's sanctioned. Uh, yeah. A, On the other hand, it is if the Catholics have these rules for their religion mm-hmm. and you don't abide by them, then it is appropriate for them to say, "Hey, you can't call yourself this because these are the rules, right? And you're not following them." So you know that's within their um their purview, and it, they it, they're within their right to. To tell her to knock it off. So she opened this land in Lorraine County. Shortly after the health department said stop drinking the water, they had a gathering. And I well remember this. It was on May 5th, 1996. It was unseasonably warm. Mm -hmm. I remember I was walking my dog. And there seemed to be a lot of people on the street. And I thought maybe it was a graduation party. I live on a I lived on a dead end road and it was right. about a half a mile stretch and there were cars double parked on the side. Now this is a country road, there are no sidewalks or anything. Mm-hmm. Double parked along the side. There are people up on people's porches just chilling, drinking water, smoking cigarettes, um, that didn't people that didn't live in the neighborhood. One person stopped and asked me the way to holy love and I said, What's holy love? And she leaned out of the car and said, oh, honey, it's this place where you go to get blessed and the Virgin Mary appears to you and it's a wonderful place. And I thought, oh, no, because it's rural Ohio. I was 14 Mm -hmm. and I was walking down a dead end street flanked by cars filled with people I did not know. And if you've ever watched a horror movie... I've watched plenty of them, and this sounds like this a setup. is where they kill you. <laughs> so, 
I thought, what? And uh, I got back to my parents' house, and there were cars blocking the driveway, um, just people too close to the house for comfort. And I yelled at a few people that they needed to move and not block the driveway. My parents both worked. What are you doing? And they acted like I was the worst person in the world because my asking them to move two feet was now stifling the religious experience. Oh, yes. But because I was walking a 115-pound Great Dane German Shepherd mix, my words had some weight. So So they moved, and I found out from some people on the street later who were furious that these were the the people making pilgrimages to come visit this brand-new church that they'd started up, people coming from all over the country. We had a lot of people come from Mexico. Apparently, there's a big connection between um, – Mexico and and this church like they they love the visions and mm-hmm. so a lot of international travelers but um for every nice person who thought that they were going to save our souls there were three other people lurking in our bushes peeing in oh, the lovely. backyard not knocking on the door and asking can we use your bathroom just <laughs> whipping it out and peeing in people's yards so this was a problem and it was a problem one Sunday a month for the next year. Wow. And uh, I'm not sure. I searched the court records, but because it's unincorporated and it's a township, um, I'm not sure if the city told them or if the sheriffs told them, look, you got to knock this off. Mm-hmm. If they created, because at this point they were now getting donations, it seems like they had better access to things like shuttle buses so that people could uh, go to hotels and things nearby and then take, uh, like our, we don't have transit (laughs) where they are, but I think they were paying for shuttles and and taxis and things. So, so that was, uh, that was my experience, my very first experience with Holy Love. And I remember it, watching it go from a little barn on a property to this enormous compound, two enormous pole barns. Uh, they were later valued the the main one at $247,000. And in their defense, it is a pole barn. Right. I mean, it fits the technical definition of a pole barn, but it's huge. You could fit, um, imagine like your typical cattle barn. Mm-hmm. You could probably get two or three inside. Oh, it's wow. enormous. And they have another slightly smaller one that uh, I I did some investigating one day and just kind of wandered back there. And it's just landscaping equipment. But for many years, my friends and I thought that this place was a cult. We thought that they were locking people in these barns. <laughs> and that's why more people had to come because they were eating through their supply of people. This is what we really <laughs> thought was happening when we were in our teens. <laughs> So it's like a very popular place to, you know, be good or we'll send you to holy love. <laughs> so, um, you know, it turns out real life is not often like that. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's not how it works. So this woman, Maureen, started mm-hmm. the church with she was married to a man who uh wanted nothing to do with the church. Right. Um, he was like, this is like, maybe you're seeing visions, but like, I really don't want to be involved. 
with this church business, want nothing to do with it. And um, during the time she was preaching and she was developing like a power and a reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. And she had a, a man, a former police officer who would go with her. And so the, the sort of lore about Maureen is that she's frail and she's sickly and she has epileptic like seizures when she gets her visions and she's got chronic bronchitis and asthma and um, some breathing issues. And it's sort of not really clear if that's legitimate or not. But this this former police officer would go with her and he would carry her when she was too frail and to, you know, take care of her. Hmm. And uh, he started to take part in leading the church as well. And I want to say it was like 1995 when she filed for divorce against her current husband and then very shortly after uh, sort of pushed this man who had been leading the church with her to marry him. Mm-hmm. So this information came from a Cleveland Scene article in 1999. And the Cleveland Scene is our local gossip rag. Um, it, it's... There was some stuff in it that was factual and you could trace it back to sources. But there were a lot of like uncredited sources and former members and family friends in quotes. R- really uh, in the Cleveland Scene? Yeah. Uh, so, let's just say the Cleveland scene is a free paper that's worth every penny. It's awful. It's got a terrible <laughs> reputation. So I want to say it was a pretty shitty article, and it was very anti the Holy Love Church, and it kind of got up in this woman's business with her marriage. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows if if she, the man she married, this former cop, was ambitious uh, or if really she just had more in common with him than her husband, which is probably more close to the truth. But uh, the scene article painted this new husband, this Don, uh, what's his last name? Don Kyle as not the greatest guy. It had indicated, implied a little that his previous marriage had fallen apart because he had a, a bad temper mm-hmm. and he and his ex-wife used to get into physical fights and, you know, maybe maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But it also did say that he had left the police force because of some unspecified injury he got in his 30s and that his former colleagues said that he was really bizarre. Mm. Like he would um, – I'm trying to think of one of the – see, these were vague accusations they made against this Don guy. Like he would – right tried to get too personal with people and didn't have a lot of control with boundaries. And um, in the scene article, it said that he often seemed to be domineering over Maureen, finishing her sentences. And if you expressed any dissent in what he was saying, like about the church, that he would uh, show signs of rage, like he Mm. would pound his fists and uh, maybe he had some anger problems and maybe he was, he was controlling her, but when Maureen bought this land in Eaton Township, she didn't do this alone. She had found a land developer, a guy with the last name of Kelly, who had purchased the land from some nonprofit wildlife preserve and then turned around and sold it to them for $350,000. Oh, wow. So he definitely had designs on making money on this land and then some of the surrounding, uh, the farms around it. Because mm-hmm. farming is not... Uh, it's not really lucrative, and interestingly, he was right. That property now is worth a lot more money than it was when they purchased it in the 90s. Um, they were very shrewd when they purchased that parcel with all the land around it. So it, it sort of almost seems like this Maureen person is surrounded by people who she might have good intent. Um, you know, she might be a little batty, but mm-hmm. 
she probably doesn't mean harm, but maybe these people that she's surrounded by are opportunists and are seizing on it. So we've got some evidence of that. Their humble pole barn, $247,000. Um, that went up the same year that they were declared tax exempt. Oh, lovely. So in 1997, <laughs> they had net assets. So, you know, that's after you calculate debts and things, net assets of $620,000. But still, if you walked into the shrine, you'd be greeted with signs that were like wish lists. So, mm. you know, they want $4,000 for this, $4,000 for that. And the property itself isn't just farmland anymore. They had construction and excavating companies come and build in. It's got fountains. And now there are some small outbuildings that are chapels. And they've got a whole Stations of the Cross thing. Beautiful. I mean, it's it's gorgeous when you walk back there. And many people, you're just welcome to walk back there. They're not... Uh, it's not like you go in through security and there's a compound or anything. If you want to go park your car... And do the walk in the Stations of the Crosses, you're welcome to. Anyone's welcome to. Mm -hmm. So uh, that sort of takes away some of that cult-like. <laughs> right. Like that that feeling that, oh, this is something spooky. Because it's really not. When you walk mm -hmm. back there, it's, you know, it's nice. It's peaceful. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains that she did not pay for that work. Mm -hmm. So in... In 1995 or so, Positive Grounds Excavating contacted their lawyers and said, hey, you know, we did all this landscaping, this beautiful work. You owe us $26,000. Mm -hmm. So apparently when Holy Love contacted them and they wanted this work done and they wanted it done in a hurry, Positive Grounds had faxed over a contract and said, you, you need to sign this this contract for the work. And the church made it seem, and this is from the Positive Grounds person, the church made it seem like they didn't want to sign the contract. Like, we're a church. You should just take our word for it. And the guy was like, mm, unfortunately by this time, because he'd been rushed to do it, they'd already started breaking ground on it. Hmm. So they did end up doing some work without an actual contract. And... In 1998, they ended up settling it out of court for half. So they got 13 grand out of that. Wow. Yeah. And so I looked up some other court cases to see. And there was another case in Illyria Municipal Court in 2010 where another development company sued Holy Love. Um, it did not list the dollar amount on the docket that I could see. Mm -hmm. But again, that also settled. But that settled in court in 2011. So... Uh, this company that's been receiving donations and is tax exempt and uh, should be able to pay in relation to their assets, what isn't really that big of a debt, they just weren't paying them. Hmm. So mm -hmm. there was one other case I found doing some research on it, and Holy Love was the victim of some fraud. And perhaps this was the reason that they weren't able to pay it, although it seemed to happen later. They had put their assets, their donations, into a credit union. Okay. And the CEO of the credit union looted the credit union. Oh, lovely. And ended up making away with over a million dollars of hmm. credit union money. Well, in the U.S., we've got something called the FDIC. 
federally mm-hmm. insured. So if a bank goes bust, you're supposed to be able to get that money back. Uh, that happened after the big stock market crash back in the 20s. And it was supposed to prevent people from keeping their money in their mattresses instead of putting it in banks. Mm-hmm. But And I, I got this information from a site called MilanoLaw.com and then from the federal there was a federal court docket, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it looks like there was some hitch in that the Federal Reserve wasn't covering this. Hmm. So I'm not sure if this particular credit union did not have federally insured money. I, I don't know. Hmm. I did about hmm. three minutes of research. So, but uh, Holy Love had pursued the government saying you were supposed to cover this money, you did not, and the government declared a sovereign immunity, which is this thing where you can't see the government unless they're like, okay, you can sue us. <laughs> it's a ridiculous legal loophole, but that is what we have. So, um, it, you know, it's possible that they were victimized in this manner, and this is one of the reasons that they had a hard time paying their debts. Right. So the scene had interviewed a couple former members, and they were pretty kind they seem to think that this Maureen person really did believe that she saw visions. Mm-hmm. And they thought that, you know, she really wanted to do good. But they also realized that the atmosphere of the church was such that one man said that he realized that every cent that they had and every day off he had was spent for pilgrimages and mm-hmm. sending money to holy love. Uh, his wife, I guess, was knocking the heat down and keeping all the power out in their house so she could send the money instead of to the electric company, she would send it to the church. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he just wasn't into that. It seemed like right. they were pretty giving about that, but um, it's, it seemed like there was kind of a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. So I suspect that the church lost its novelty along the way. My mom attended a service just out of curiosity one night, not all that long ago. And she said that you go to the big pole barn, the humble pole barn. The humble pole barn, yes. And you sit down, and there's not, she didn't really have anyone leading a service or anything. And this was on a, I think it was a Wednesday night. So it wasn't like a big Sunday service. But they had loudspeakers in the room. And they would say, like, announcement to begin in 10 minutes. And you're supposed to sit there in contemplation and prayer. And then they would announce something and maybe do a reading. She kept thinking something was going to happen. Like, she was sitting there waiting for something to happen, and then nothing did. And then they kind of encouraged people to go up and walk the Stations of the Cross. I wonder if a lot of people were going there thinking, we're going to see something. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the former members would say things like, oh, I saw Mary, you know, thanks to Maureen. She appeared to me. And even Maureen was starting to, like, go overboard with these apparitions. She'd say things like, Mary appeared to me and told me where to buy this green scarf. And, well, she told me if I didn't buy it now, I was going to lose it. Or Mary told me she'd watch the soup so I could go take a pilgrimage around the grounds. And eventually the some of the members were like, like, doesn't Mary, doesn't, don't Jesus, don't they have better things to do? <laughs> like, why are they stirring your soup? Like, this is, like maybe... Maybe you should talk to someone, Maureen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm beginning to think here. Um, I mean... Yeah, and, you know, if when you look at this, when you look it up online, it's, it appears like every couple years or so there's a letter from the bishop 
of the Diocese of Cleveland saying, these are not supernatural. There is nothing holy going on here. Mm-hmm. And of course, then the holy love responds back with like, why does the bishop hate us? Like, <laughs> Jesus loves everybody. <laughs> because you're turning this into a novelty circus. I mean, it, to me, that's what it seems like. Um, it seems like it was taking the specialness out of yes. uh, the mystery out of it. I mean, the fact that they have... Uh, apparently uh, coming up soon. I'm not going to say which day. I'm not. I'm not going to say day and date. But apparently soon there is, uh, according to their website, a guaranteed apparition. Like, how can you do that? Really? I mean, seriously. <laughs> no. Um. And yeah, it just it just seems to me like she saw something and then pretty much she had to double down and or you know it was either just let it go or double down on it and she chose to double down and then double down some more well then this will not surprise you at all when you hear that some of her um some of her predictions Mm -hmm. i'm going to read you some of her past statements and things that have come from her visions so in addition to the uh the fancy blessing point patch of carpet and the holy piece of hair she proclaimed that (laughs) boris yeltsin was the antichrist okay she also believes in something called the angel chip that the antichrist will put in our heads to control our minds and that this chip will be used to control finances Mm -hmm. maybe she didn't pay her excavators because they wanted a credit card payment and she thought that that was the angel chip. No, that's just a uh, chip and pin card. Uh, it's a little more secure than the, uh, you know, the regular swipe stripe. But you know, hey, that's uh, uh, neither here nor there. Uh- <laughs> In November two thousand nine, the bishop did send out a letter, and you can find it on the internet. It's public, and he declared, "No, this is not supernatural." You- this church that is vaguely Catholic cannot be considered Catholic. And he forbade faithful followers of the Catholic church to even visit the shrine. Hmm. Now, I don't think it's because there was anything unseemly happening. I think it's just because the Catholics are really jealous. Hmm. And, um, you know, if you're not Catholic, then you're nothing. Mm -hmm. And, Hmm. You know, they didn't want people getting lured into this this other church. So, yeah, he sent out this letter to all the churches, like, stop visiting this place. (laughs) But that, you know, that could be more on him than on holy love, because they do have this kind of uh, mean girls fight going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm amused by it all. Um, Would I go there? I don't know. Maybe. The grounds are beautiful. Um, they're as beautiful as they can be, considering that they weren't paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I might sound bitter because I also uh, work in that industry. Mm-hmm. So if you go to their website, they have some things that are that are nice. They have something. Um, if you go to angelsofmaranatha.org, they have a section of pictures that are supposed to be beautiful things that people saw when they were walking the grounds. And what they have are a lot of pictures of uh, light beams 
forming mm-hmm. crosses and making hearts. You know, it's pretty. Yeah. I don't think that they have anything that they're claiming is uh, miraculous visions, but, but they're nice pictures, and you can see that on the website. They also have this amazing PDF file called A Truthful History of Holy Love Ministries and the Apparitions. And mm-hmm. it starts, <laughs> second paragraph in, Maureen Sweeney Kyle is a very shy, timid, and frail housewife and grandmother who grew up and still resides in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> so right off the bat, if you're like, this is a crippled old lady. Uh-huh. What do you... <laughs> you need a better spin doctor. Who wrote this? Yes. So um, she goes on to list the apparitions. They start in the 80s. And anytime an organization posts something about themselves entitled a truthful history, I'm going to put on my skeptic's hat. <laughs> It sounds ironic, doesn't it? Yes. And it, I'm, I'm going to sit here and think that maybe there's a grain of truth, but not... Nah, I, I, think there's another, I think there's other sides to this story, and we're, you know, it, it would be best to uh, just, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Well, it's interesting to me that in the chronology, which they're supposed to be using to set their story straight, they also list the appearances of the Blessed Mother. And in the first appearance, all Mary wanted to do, she asked that she be called Our Lady Protectress of the Faith. Mm-hmm. That seems like a lot of effort <laughs> to demand that someone calls you something different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was the first one. And... um. Maureen claims that it was Mary who directed her to dig for these springs mm-hmm. and to call them the Maranatha. Hmm. And then, of course, they do list the um, 1994 that the city files suit against the ministry because of the crowds being too too large. And the city was pretty fair. They just told him, you have to move. If you're going to have gatherings this large, you have to move. Mm-hmm. So... They go through this chronology here. And then they start to name the bishop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in 1996, the Virgin Mary advised Maureen to obtain a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> good advice from every deity. <laughs> so there are some sections in here, you know, it's like all capital letters. And mm-hmm. I mean, they unwarranted attacks on the Maranatha s- s- shrine. And it's got like the... Here's the truth. Here's the warning. Here's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I will give them. I thought they were called. You know, I judge them by the crazy people who were showing up from all around the country and doing weird things in our in our lawns. And that's not necessarily them. You know, like right. everyone in the country who wanted to see something special was on that street. And that's not necessarily the people who were running the church. So. I can see where they're coming from, where they're like, we've got this crazy reputation. But on the other hand, like, if you're going to violate city ordinances and not pay your bills and things and then complain that you're being unfairly persecuted, like, that's not, that's not how it works. Right. Uh, I mean, you're working with land developers and former cops. Don't tell me that they don't know how this works. Right. According to this, in 1997, in all caps, a simple pole barn prayer center built. 
Uh, a place to pray out of the weather. Apparitions continue with conversions, healings, and prayers. So just a simple pole barn. $247,000 pole barn. Okay. That, that, that's pretty simple. Um, yeah. Why not just say 250 and, you know, make it even simpler? Um. Yeah, it's enormous. <laughs> and so here's the thing, too, about where they built the land. Everyone knows everyone there. And mm-hmm. so when they did need things like public assistance from emergency vehicles, um, we all know the ambulance drivers. We all know the firemen. And if you're going to treat them like crap, hmm. word gets out. So a uh, family friend is a volunteer in that area. And he came uh, during the year 1995 where it was big. Someone had gotten stung by a bee and they were allergic. And so there were so many people. They wouldn't move their cars for the ambulance crew. It's not that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. <laughs> It was like, well, I got my place in line. We're not going to let you through. And then when the ambulance crew got out of the ambulance to try to find the person going into shock, the crowds didn't want to let them through. And I don't know, again, if that's Holy Love's fault or if the people were like, well, we'll just put them on the blessing carpet and they'll be healed of their anaphylactic shock. But um, the fireman in question was furious. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, someone's going to die. You can't block emergency crews. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> and this is this is a church going man too. He's like, God's will is that I give him this shot, not that you put him on this filthy carpet to be healed. Like, mm-hmm. like this medicine is a blessing. Let me administer it, please. And, um, you know, it's not like they were uh, Christian scientists or anything. It was just that the crowds were sort of, I think hungry for any kind of action like a miracle or something and maybe they thought an ambulance crew was going to take away from that mm-hmm. oh fascinating <laughs> i'm a little disappointed it wasn't a cult uh, like i, I know. know that's horrible <laughs> i'm always disappointed it's not a cult <laughs> i'm always disappointed when it's not a cult <laughs> yeah I, I i think it's probably a situation of like this woman who is probably a nice lady, but maybe shouldn't be in charge of a church who's surrounded by people who are taking advantage of her. her she must have some kind of magnetism that is drawing people to her to want to see these visions with her. And I, I kind of feel like they might be taking advantage of that. <laughs> oh, the, the, I, I, I don't know. I I mean, first of all, I am you know, when it comes to uh, apparitions and stuff like that. I'm very skeptical. Um, I I'm can I I believe that like ten thousand people all seeing an apparition are maybe deluding themselves for the oh, sake. Oh sure, especially of, if they're drinking the water. Yeah, and even and and in some cases, it's just simply people convincing themselves of something they saw just to be a part of that crowd. Well, that's interesting you say that, because from what I was reading, I did not come across an occurrence where there was a group vision. No. I, I noticed, I mean, even just the, the, the scene article, uh, they didn't even go after that, which would be, you know, for, for Cleveland, for the, for the scene magazine, would be right up their alley. 
Yeah, you'd think. It yeah. wasn't like that. It was just individuals saying, oh, I saw Mary. Now, when I did the walk, I went to, they've got a chapel. Mm-hmm. And it's like the chapel of Our Lady Protectress of, of Faith. And a big theme is that they smell hmm. roses. Smelling roses is a thing. Mm-hmm. So conveniently planted all over this place are rose gardens. <laughs> but I wonder if, if they're counting the the mm-hmm. scents also as apparitions. But I, I think that Maureen really believes that she's being spoken to mm-hmm. and that she really believes that she's getting apparitions. Mm-hmm. And that's great if that's her and she's using it to enrich her life. But if she is complicit in... Uh, being a bit of a fraudster, then that's where she crosses a line for right. me. I, I don't know that she is, I, but I, I am skeptical after doing the research about this this man she married and about this, this business partner. I did search the local court dockets for her and her husband. I searched for Seven Hills and for Lorraine County, and I didn't see anything against them personally. And it doesn't appear that they're living in any great personal wealth either. I really do think that they're taking that money and putting it into the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think it's quite the the scandal that we all thought it was back in right. the 90s. Right. But then at some point, uh, you know, her her benefactors, are they going to eventually try to take advantage, uh, you know, after she is gone or something? Possibly. And if she is, if they're building this case that she's this sickly, frail old lady, you know, Mm -hmm. if she is, are they already controlling the the pockets of the church? Yeah. And, and the message. Yeah, this is, uh, it's a fascinating story and, you know, Thank you for bringing this up to me. Um, I, we we had talked about this a few, maybe a month ago, and decided, okay, let's do an episode on it. <laughs> well, it's it's going to be interesting to see if people do show up in mm-hmm. the upcoming month for the the guaranteed apparition. Right. And is that on a Sunday? Yes, it is. Uh, I go to church right around the corner from there, and I should drive by and see if there's a. I might, I might go to church with you that day. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> and I might have to bring a, you know, I might, I might bring a camera with me, and you know, just, I don't know, maybe get some photos. I think that the parking thing has long since been resolved because it was so bad that right. people who lived on the streets couldn't get there. I think that they're now relying on shuttles. But mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see now that they've got this guaranteed apparition if it's going to draw people from all over the world. If nothing else, that's a. Um, I can say it now because I don't live on that street, but the, looking at it now in retrospect, to live in this no-name part of town that's not even on a map, to have people from all over just descend upon you is is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. yeah. And at least we know now that they're not really organ farmers. So. Right. Well, well, that's good. <laughs> Doing the research makes me feel a little more comfortable with them. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a fun, so this, a fun I, I was, I'm sad to say this is a conspiracy that kind of petered out as I researched it. It kind of took the magic out of it. Yeah. But, you know, this is kind of, uh, this is kind of what I, what I, what I, I like doing is finding out that, you know, can, or confirming that 
Well, the conspiracy theory that people have, yeah, it's not true. <clears throat> and here's some here's some proof for it. I mean, yeah, there's really nothing going are, on. Yeah. <laughs> what what's going on is right in front of your eyes. You know, it's basically your a typical a typical church. A, you know, a typical ministry trying to get people in the doors. You know, I wonder if the antagonism with the Catholic Church, too, if this isn't their fault at all, but if people who are interested in the more mystical, spiritual aspect of Catholicism, especially, um, Mm -hmm. it'd be very kind of spooky and exciting. I wonder if those people are calling their churches and saying, oh my gosh, I heard about this awesome thing called the Maranatha Shrine, and Jesus shows up, and I wonder if if it's people who are bugging their churches instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Like if the leaders of the Catholic Church are responding not because they want to smack down holy love, but because they're tired of their constituents, um, sorry, congregants, not constituents. <laughs> um, if they're tired of their congregants, like trying to pull away to this other church, I wonder if it's defensive to them and not antagonistic. It could be. Really, I, I, it's just hard to say. And in in some cases, I think you're seeing um, a sort of a Streisand effect going on here. You know, the Catholic Church is uh, Streisand effect uh, is named after, of course, Barbara Streisand, who wanted her like photos of her house taken off the internet. And what happened was it became one of the most circulated photos for a long time. <laughs> and it's sort of that same deal where you um, where, where you uh, don't do this. And then, it, you know, well, it's forbidden. Let's go do it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like if it's got the same kind of draw as if it were something occult to them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Forbidden Church. We'll sit in a soybean field and then light some candles and it'll be delightful. <laughs> They've got a rose garden. Uh, so so uh, anything else? Anything else on this episode? No. Excellent. So, uh, you know, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you or would you rather remain anonymous? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Heavy D is Hungry and Hungry is spelled with an O. Yes. And you can find me at AlienCG on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast at IlluminatiPod. Um, and also find this and all the In Search of episodes that we've done so far at IlluminatiSocialClub.com. Uh, have a wonderful, uh, well, few days until the next In Search of episode. And I don't know when the next uh, regular episode is coming out, but it'll be there somewhere sometime. See everyone.